as well. We could ask our guests to come up and have a seat. Uh, we had Moore's to show them some love as they come. All right, so at this particular time, what we'll do is we have our, our wonderful uh, coordinators of uh, Joint Heirs Marriage Ministry, uh, Ed and Tanya Bobbitt, who will, I guess they've, they've got a list of questions. Uh, and I'm sure they have their own questions. Uh, I, have, I, I have a question, so I'm, I'm gonna do this question first. Uh, you know, sometimes people got, uh, they have more clout than everybody else. <laughs> so, this particular person is one of those people. So, don't, don't take it personal. Just some people just got, got it like that. All right, so this question says, uh, Pastor Keith, uh, for the panel, what causes a man to not receive a vision on a yearly basis? Not sure if it's because we are in the middle of a, of a vision unfulfilled Distracted, complacent, or what? How do we overcome and get back on track? And so, I, you know, I definitely have a thought. Yeah, I love vision, but. Moors, have a thought? Anybody? Anybody? Anybody want to jump in on that one? You don't have to. I mean, well, it's a long question. Can you repeat the question? Make uh, it sure. All right, I'm going to explain the question. Okay, that's good. So, you know how around here we talk about writing a vision every year for your house. So this particular person is saying how it's been hard to get that vision every year for the house. He doesn't know, I said he, you still don't know who it is. <laughs> uh, but they don't know if it's, is that me? That was you, Marcus. All right, so they don't know if it's because they're in, a, uh, in the middle of an unfulfilled vision. So in other words, the next year comes up, what I was believing for has not been fulfilled. Is that blocking me from receiving what God wants to say going forward? Or is it because I'm distracted? Or because I'm complacent? Or something else? You know, how do we overcome and get back on track to keep picking up that signal to hear God's vision for clarity, right? All right, is that pretty much? Yeah, yeah okay, all right. And so, so the thing is, uh, even when you start out writing vision, we always talk about how uh, a vision is like a softball. When it gets hit in the air, you believe you're right there. You can see it. You believe you're right under it. But as it gets closer, you adjust to meet the vision. Mm -hmm. So as it gets closer, it gets clearer. You get more locked into it. And so the challenge, even when we first, uh, when we first got together, she was asking for vision but I wasn't really all that clear and tuned in, so I kind of was like, leave me alone. You know, but when I discovered that, you know in part, as the Bible says, so I'm getting in part. So if God is giving you a vision that you did see, and let's say everything has a manifest because of all the things that you mentioned, a lot of times what God is, you know, because uh, the scripture says having a readiness, readiness to avenge all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. Well, God ain't trying to do nothing new. He's probably going to give you the next best steps from where you are, and that will be next year's vision. 
And then depending on where you are, he'll give you the next best steps from there. Ultimately, what you're getting every year is the pieces to the big picture Mm -hmm. of what God has for your life anyway. Mm -hmm. So even though it looks like you have different visions every year, you really have different steps moving towards God's ultimate vision for your life. So how you get back on track is go deeper into God, like shut out the noise, fast and pray to start to pick back up that signal. And what you do is whatever signal you get, you write that down and you run with that piece of the vision at that particular time. That's good. In humility that I may not see the whole picture yet, but I'm open as God shows me other breadcrumbs throughout the year. All right? That's, that's what I have to offer. But any other thoughts? I, I would, I, go ahead. I, no, you no, please. I would also <laughs> add, um, even what he is saying, the different pieces and the steps, is we're looking for, we're looking to see the whole picture. And it's like you're building the vision year by year. It's not going to be a full completion. Or it may not even be something new next year. It's like, okay, so... What is a component that that needs to be added to help get this more established? So it ain't necessarily a whole new vision. The whole vision is there. And it's like you don't, like he said, you don't see it all. But you know, I just got to keep making those steps. So what I would add to it, I would say, I I would partner with my wife. And I would say, listen, babe, I'm really trying to walk in this uh, vision that God has for our house, but I need you to get an agreement with me. Mm-hmm. And as my help me, I would love for you to pray for me because I really am believing that, you know, God called me to lead the family. Uh, and I'm going to be honest with you. I hadn't always known what to do. And so I'm going to need your prayers. I'm going to need your support. I'm going to need, you know, uh, like, like, like we're in this together, but I'm going to need your push in the spirit. You understand what I'm saying? Excuse me. <laughs> um, and so that's important because what that does for him, it gives him encouragement. It gives him even inner strength to, and, and, and uh, like it would help him to feel like uh, it's okay, baby. I'm, I'm pushing you. I'm helping you. And so he's not alone. You understand what I'm saying? It's like, um, because the truth of the matter is, most men probably don't know what a vision is all about. And so they, you know, and and so as, so you're inviting her to kind of support you as you hear from the father and you let her know, you know, I'm really trying to hear from God. And uh, I hadn't always heard from God. But I believe that if you partner with me, God is going to speak. And he could speak to your wife, too, about some of the vision. Y'all heard how sometimes, you know, there's been, there was a time when a uh, pastor had a vision. Uh, well, what was it? You explained to him what happened. Oh, so, so the vision for, okay, I didn't know what the vision was for that year. But I, I really was, uh, like, I was struggling with it. Like, I got the concept or the tagline what the vision was, but I couldn't get the details. And we were getting towards the end of the year. And so I'm like, I don't understand. Like, what am I going to share with my family? Just this tagline? Because the scriptures write the vision, make it plain that they could run with, run with it, that read it. Well, she ain't going to have nothing to read because I don't have the details. Well, she has this intricate dream. Mm-hmm. And I, I told her, I said, did you write down, you know, always write down your dreams. So when she gave me, when she shared the dream, I said, 
well, give me that. So I go into my study. I said, well, Lord, what is this? Because a lot of times how God has operated, she could have a dream and he would give me the interpretation. Mm -hmm. So I went to him for the interpretation of the dream. He said, oh, that's the rest of your vision. So now I'm perplexed. I'm like, but I'm the visionary. Mm -hmm. How are you going to give her the rest of the vision? But I've shared this the other day too, but the Lord explained it to me. He says, you're the house man. You're the covering. You know, as you guys talked about the protector. So if your house was under attack, who you think getting hit first? You. Mm-hmm. He says, your house, the devil was after you guys this year. He was really attacking you guys. While you're so busy trying to put out all those fires, I'm giving you the details, but you couldn't pick up the signal. He says, so what I did was I sent it to your radio man. Mm-hmm. And so I gave you the analogy in war. They had radio men that the soldiers protected mm-hmm. because the radio men would get the signals to will communicate to the battleships to where to bomb to advance the troops. So this was my radio man. And so, and so when I looked at, so I went back and looked at the vision, that was our vision. That year, about 80% came to pass. Actually, that was the highest yield or return we had on communicated vision up to that point. Up to that point, we, it's 50 may come to pass, 60 may come to pass. But it, no, it probably was like 85. It might have been close to 90, you know. And so, so at that time, God was explaining to me, hey, you know, you, you need to lock in and listen. Um, so that's, that, that's a perfect example. But I wanted to add the agreement is, is what's big. The agreement because if, let's say, you know, uh, as a man, you're, you're really pressing in to hear from God, you get something and your family is like, oh, I don't believe that. I mean, you already gonna feel defeated. So before you even go in asking God for the vision, you're having a conversation with your, with your, your, your mate. And you're saying, you know what? I'm going in, baby, and I need your support. And whatever comes out, whatever, I'll take responsibility, but if we can work together and this allow God to breathe on what, what he comes up with, then, I think we'll, 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 be, we'll win, we'll win together. So I think, because what happens is, if the man gets the vision and the woman, so he's all excited, right? He's all excited and he goes to tell the woman and the woman's like, mm, yeah, but I don't believe that's God. I mean, she already's judging it. She's, you know what I'm saying? And you could almost feel like, dang, I just, you know, I toiled over this thing. But if you have the discussion before and you say, babe, I don't know what he gonna come up with. But you know what? It's by faith. Whatever I receive, it's, up, it's by faith anyway. So guess what? Well, let's do it together. Let's lock in. Will you agree with me? Mm-hmm. So you're getting her, you, you're getting her um, approval on the spot, like before. You see what I'm saying? Are you, you going to be in agreement with me, whatever he comes up with? Because I have no clue. And are you going to pray for me and stand with me as I enter into uh, God's presence to find out what it is we're supposed to do? Are you with me, baby? You see what I'm saying now, when he does come back, okay, baby, this is what I heard. You know, I mean, I don't know. What do you think? And she might come up with some things and who knows, it can be some vision, some, some wisdom for what, what, what you got so far. So I I think that's important because I'm telling you, you can be intimidating. You know, you're going in and, and you don't know what, what to expect, but on the, on the flip side, you already know your partner, you've already talked about it. She says she's going to be okay with whatever, all right, baby, whatever God tells us, we're going to try it and we're going to believe that God's, God's power is going to be, is going to breathe on what, 
because he's going to honor your effort. He's going to honor that. And so we're in this thing together. I think that's important. All right, awesome. You have another thought in that area? Go ahead. So, so as, you know, as we were talking about vision, and I'm, I'm sitting here, so the one thing that I understand about vision, and Pastor Keith and Pastor Nate was talking about it as well, is that you know, it's in pieces, mm -hmm. right? Like, you know, it's kind of an unfolding. The one thing that we have to remember that vision or a vision for, for what the Lord is showing you is not just for you. So it's, that's, that's not always, it's just for you. Your vision, the goal is God has in mind your impact on people. Mm -hmm. Right. Because it's people mm -hmm. that God is trying to get to. So when thinking about that, for me, when I was, we were praying about vision for this year, the word the Lord said specifically for us was the word cultivate. And I'm like, what kind of vision is that? <laughs> <laughs> what does that look like? See, that's good. That's good. <laughs> but when thinking about what God's heart is, is he is about people. And so now the vision for your household, for you and Lakeisha, Siobhan, is to cultivate. Mm -hmm is to develop. So I had to, to, to go into this place where it's like, okay, Lord, I know what the vision is, but then my part in this season is to cultivate and whatever that looks like. And cultivate <laughs> is not a sexy word. It's a tough word because that means you got to go under the dirt and you got to begin to die to some things. You got, you know, in order for the Lord to bring you up out of the dirt, to be the fruit that he wants you to be for people. And so that's... that's Ooh, this is good, y'all. Mm -hmm. This is so good. So what vision does, he gave you the vision, cultivate. He didn't know anything about, okay, cultivate. Cultivate what, right? Well, what happens is if you pay attention, the words that he speaks to you will start to echo. Mm -hmm. You came here today, and one of the things that God said is cultivate the fruits of the Spirit. Amen. Do you understand what I'm I saying? So sometimes, you, see, you got to be attentive to what you, you can't, you can't, that, that right there, mm -hmm. cultivate. God said, cultivate, cultivate the fruits of the spirit. Mm -hmm. Do you remember? Did y'all hear that? Yes, yes man. Yeah. Yeah. Now, why did he use that term? That might have been a part of your vision. I'm not saying it is your vision. Oh, no, that's because that's that what stood be, out to me. That, that's, yeah. That, it stood yeah. out to me today. It's, yeah, it, it bore witness to you. Yeah. And that's what vision does. It starts to attract. Ooh. The breadcrumbs. The breadcrumbs. That's good. That's it attracts good. the breadcrumbs if you pay attention. All right. Let me write my notes down. <laughs> All right, so that's good. Let's, let's, let's go over here to uh, these one, this wonderful couple on the mic. What's our next question? Hello? Okay, there we go. So someone asked, do I marry simply because I'm in love and it's missing what I feel like is a romance? Do I what marry I like simply because I'm in love but and like am missing romance? Romance. Like romance. Is that one of you guys that uh, chime into that? Uh, that maybe they haven't communicated. Any thoughts? What was the, what was the, the end part of the question? Yeah. Uh, do I, so basically, am I, am I marrying simply because I'm in love, which I'm, I like when y'all jump on that one, and because they're missing romance? Everybody looking at you. <laughs> Go ahead. Go ahead. 
Okay, so to be honest, I am struggling with the dichotomy of that question because if it's love, I would think that romance would be connected to it. So if I were in that position, I think I would ask the Lord, is this really love? Because mm. it would be difficult for me to believe that God wants me to be faithful to this person for the rest of my life, but I'm not romantically connected mm. or attracted to them. Why would God, that doesn't seem like a blessing to me. Mm. So I would question whether or not this is really love, because if it is love, love, agape love, there's eros love too, right? That's that erotic love. So if it's really love, it should have all aspects. It should have the agape, the God kind of love. It should have the eros where I want to be physically intimate with this person. There should be the phileo, the, the, the friendship. There should be that storge, the love we have for a child or the love we have for an older person, right? All four of those types of love should be in a marriage and should be in a relationship. So if the eros is missing, I would say, is that really love? And I would ask God, is this really love or do I feel like I have to connect myself to this person because of what other people are telling me or because of my age or because my biological clock is ticking? Like, what is really motivating me to say that this is love if part of the four aspects of love is missing? Maybe it's not really love. Maybe I'm feeling pressured to get into a marriage with this person because I feel like I might miss out. There might not be someone else there for me. That would be my question to that person. That's good. That's good. So, uh, so our story, this, is, this was my story. So <laughs> I think sometimes uh, when we give our hearts to Christ and we, we now incorporate spirituality into our decision making, I think it ca causes us sometimes to shut down these other areas of our life that are also important to us as well. So I thought when I became a Christian that God was going to send me a wife who was spiritual, but I was not physically attracted to her. And I was in fear about that thing. <laughs> like, like I, I remember, because I, I remember there were a few young ladies that were interested in me at the time, and I, I was attending a mega church at the time. So it was, I mean, it's 15, 20,000 members, you know, attending this church. And, and there were a few young ladies that I knew that were interested. I didn't necessarily feel the same way about them that they felt about me. And there was one young lady in particular, I could tell she really felt that it was the Lord's will for us to be together. But the problem was that I was not physically attracted to her. And so I, I, I would be in prayer and I'd be like, Lord, you know, Lord Jesus said, not, not my will, but your will be done. Lord, if I got to die to myself for your will to be done, Lord, so be it, Lord. And one day the Lord told me, he said, open up Song of Solomon. I opened up Song of Solomon and I started reading and some of the descriptive words that that the writer used to describe this woman that he was interested in. He talked about how her, her neck would be like the ivory tower, that her <laughs> hair, hair was like the, the sheep that were going down Mount Gilead, that her, 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 her teeth were like ewes and all of them were in pairs, and her breath was like, <laughs> like apples. And I'm reading the scriptures, and the Lord said to me, he said, is that my word? I said, yes, it is. He said, well, then believe me for it. And in that moment, fear left my heart and I started to believe for the first time that God was going to send me someone who loved him with all of his heart because that was a non-negotiable, but then also someone I was physically attracted to and would be attracted to for the rest of my life. And then the word became flesh <laughs> and, and dwelt among us. That was good. That was good. That was good. That was good.
<laughs> I like that one. <laughs> I had to get back to the word first to deal with the fear so that faith could come back alive in me and I could believe once again for what God wanted me to have. Amen. Amen. Mm-hmm. I love that. That's real good. Uh, that, Amen. Drop the mic. Right. Well, we got the next question. Uh, wait. What's wrong? If you're still pondering on your question, we are going to send the basket around so you can get your questions answered. So please feel free to fill out your card and drop it to us so we can put it before the panel. Amen? No names. Anonymous. Yeah, we'll go with the next question. So it says, what do I do if I am already married and I am just now realizing this is not the one for me and divorce is not an option? My man does not attend church for personal reasons, and he does not want to attend, nor our girls to attend my church home. How can I get his heart changed? Hmm. All right, so y'all yeah, we, we, we leave that to the 30s. I, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 30 year marriage. All right, so, so, so this is the thing about the reality of of how we're perceiving when things may be funky in a marriage. We almost can't really trust ourselves, like our own assessments. Now that's why we have to really spend time with God because people don't get married by osmosis. You know, most, you know, you're married, okay? And so if you're in a situation that you're married, again, uh, uh, Pastor Moore talked about um, inquiring of the Lord. You really want to just inquire the Lord, but, but this is the thing. The thing is, if you're going to church, uh, we, t- we tell the stories all the time, but the Bible says you can win, it, win over your mate by your manner of living. First it says Peter. by your conversation, First Peter 3. Mm-hmm. It says by your conversation, but it's talking about manner of living. You know, so you can go so deep in God that that vacuum pulls that person into God's presence also. And so we gave, we gave examples how uh, Smith Wigglesworth's wife you know, uh, going to church, I, you leave out of here today, I'm changing the locks. I might be telling about the wrong person, I'll be mixing them up, but, but, but he changed the locks. She comes back home, doors locked, they had a swing on their porch, she grabs a, a blanket from the swing, wraps it up, sits by the door, falls to sleep in the cold. In the morning, he wakes up to get the newspaper. He opens the door. She falls in, gets up, and says, what do you want for breakfast, honey? He drops to his knees and wants the same God that she has because he had never seen that, that level of love before. Mm-hmm. You know, I've told you the Helen Baylor story, story where she was going. She, was, uh, she has that Fred Price's church, but she was going to, uh, she, you know, when she met her husband, they were singing background from Chaka Khan. So he was, you know, selling drugs to all the people singing. And so, <laughs> so she gives her life to the Lord. He, he's not living for the Lord, so she's going to church. And he'd be like, well, what's for dinner? She's like, I'm fasting. You know, she was, it was all types of stuff. And she talked to God. God says, no, what does the Bible say you're supposed to do for your husband? Mm-hmm. It didn't say based on circumstances. Mm-hmm. You are married. What, is it, what are you required to do? And so she actually decides to treat her husband the way the Bible says, independent of what he, his behavior and what he deserved. Well, one day she's going to church, he goes in with her, and he gives his life to the Lord. Yeah. 
A last story I'll tell you uh, quickly, the gentleman that, that uh, I work with in corrections, he played in the NFL for a while. And uh, his wife was always saying she wanted him to come to church. So I told her the Helen Baylor story. So she, because she was like frustrated with him. She changed her flow. He started coming to church, uh, gave his life to the Lord. He started traveling with, uh, it's, it's a group of Christians called the Power Team. So he started traveling with the Power Team. You know, they mm-hmm. tear phone books and things of that nature. And then she comes back. She says, well, I don't get it. I've been living for the Lord all this time, and now he's getting revelation and stuff like that. I said, wait a minute. Isn't this what you prayed for? You know what I'm saying? So we, we can't underestimate the power of prayer. The Bible says the fervent, effectual prayer of the righteous availeth much. And this is what happens. Because I know somebody, somebody either out there or in here is thinking, well, suppose I operated just as what was discussed early off a compromise. Or I operated off, uh, out of desperation. Well, this is the thing. If you're in a situation you're supposed to be in, you best believe God's going to make sure he solidifies that thing and it comes together. If you're in a situation you're not supposed to be in, you don't have to jump out. It's actually going to fall out. Mm. But it all starts with with us going deep in God. See, if we go deep in God, if it falls away, like during the harvest time, you won't get damaged. If you're outside of God, it'll be a tear away, and it'll tear a part of you away also. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. So there's, the wisdom is, I'm going to go deep in God. Mm-hmm. And any other thoughts? I would say, Pastor. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, I was, uh, for, the, for any singles that may be out here, you know, people say that love is blind, but then marriage is an eye-opener. And I think that when you're single, it becomes so vitally important that you do not ignore red flags mm-hmm. in a relationship. That's good. Because oftentimes when we get into a marriage, it's not that the wool was pulled over our eyes and we, are, we were deceived by what we saw when we were dating. It's just that we were in denial about what we saw when we were dating. Then we get into marriage and, and our prayer is, Lord, deliver me out of this situation. But that was the prayer to pray when we were still in the dating relationship, <laughs> yeah. not so much the prayer to pray now that we're in the marriage. And the Apostle Paul, and I think it was in Second Corinthians uh, chapter 12, when he talked about a messenger of Satan that had been sent to, to buffet him, to attack him. And he had prayed three times for the Lord to deliver him. And the word of the Lord came to him and he said, my grace is sufficient for you for my strength is made perfect in your weakness. And so sometimes our prayer is, Lord, deliver me. And deliverance does not always help us grow as individuals Mm -hmm. because all we're praying is God snatch me out of this situation. Our prayers sometimes need to be, God, give me grace to go through it. So now I have to confront my impatience. I have to confront my my desire for control. I have to confront the fact that I want my marriage to look a certain way, but it does not look that way. So just take me out of this one, put me in a different one, and so that new one will look the way that I want for it to look. Sometimes we are giving up our opportunity to grow as an individual. You're in the situation. Now that you're in the marriage, you've got to ask God for ways to grow, to develop, and you have to be patient. You've got to look at this as a marathon and not as a 50-yard dash. And you have to be patient and give God time to work on your husband and to work on what he's doing in your household. Uh, Lastly, what I would say is instead of focusing on the things that you don't agree on, focus on the things that you do agree on, the things that you can celebrate your husband for right now. 
You know, like maybe he won't go to church, but maybe he's a good man. Maybe he takes care of your, of your household. I would celebrate him in the areas that you appreciate the most. And most men will show up for a celebration. They won't show up in a place where they're tolerated, but they will show up in a place where they are celebrated. So find three or four or five things that you can celebrate about your man and do that on a regular basis. And you'll find that some guys, we will go out of our way to make sure that our wives see the things that we are doing right. And if he all of a sudden starts to see that, man, my wife is celebrating the things that I'm doing well, then he'll start wanting to do more things. That he sees that that uh, that you see and are celebrating, and all of a sudden, some of the changes and the desires that you wanted to see done in your husband, he'll start to materialize some of those things. That's good. Mm. That's good. That's good. That's good. I, don't, I don't even know how to put my comment behind that. <laughs> but, but just the, with the per, with the person saying, uh, what I'm hearing is you're looking for a way out instead of going through. Like, like you said, snatch me out of this because I don't, I'm, I'm not willing to grow. I'm not willing to develop. And it's been said almost every night or every day since the relationship boot camp, you're just thinking about yourself. Mm-hmm. It's like this, me, 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 me. You get rid of, we had this, we disagreed on this. I said me, me, he said beep, beep. I said it's a roadrunner mentality. It's like you get rid of that me, me, me mentality and start looking at the bigger picture is, is it really all about you? Because you say, you know, you're saying he don't want you to, he don't, he don't, he don't, he don't. You're focusing more on what he don't than what you should. Mm, That's good. Because he don't want our kids to go to church. He don't want this. He don't, okay, well, what I should be doing is praying that God show himself alive to him or to her versus what they don't want. It's like, now nah, I'm going to fast and I'm going to pray. And God, I'm really anticipating and expecting to hear from you or for you to do whatever you got to do in their life. You know, a lot, of, a lot of the, like you said, the deliverance, the deliverance really is not even for you. Going all the way back to what you said, even with the vision, the deliverance is for so other people can see, wow, there really is a God. Mm-hmm. Like, wow. I mean, and they know that he way over here in left field, and you're serving and endeavoring to go, go to church and serving the Lord. And, I mean, their whole thought is, man, ain't no way he ever going to change, man. And then they may hear what he's saying as far as church or whatnot, and it's like, I'm gonna just give it all to God. Because if you don't give it all to God, you find yourself responding, and that's actually blowing your witness. So. That's good. That's good. Any other thoughts about that before we go to the next question? Yeah, if I yes, could sir. just piggyback on that, I just wanna encourage whoever it was that sent the question in. It sounds like it's the wife that sent that question in. You know, the Bible has a lot to say about how a man who's unbelieving can be won over by the conversation or the lifestyle of his wife. And I want to encourage you to believe God for that. That's a faith project for you. Your husband isn't the faith project. You are the faith project. 
becoming the type of person that is so connected to your vine, Jesus Christ, that your fruit becomes so appealing mm. that people want to be like you. Mm. So that is like a goal of yours to become so intertwined mm. with God that your children and your husband starts to see, wow, you are radiating this joy, this love, this peace. How are you like this? And it points them back to God. The other thing is maybe they won't go to church, but you can bring the church to them, right? That's right. You can play worship music in the house, mm. even if it's instrumental and they don't even know that it's worship music because there's no lyrics. You know that it's worship music. You know that you're praying um, before they get home from school, before they come back from work. You know that you've anointed their pillows with oil while they were sleeping or when they were out. You know what you're doing in the spirit realm, and that will build your faith. Because Paul said, I've learned how to be content in any situation. And if Paul could learn that while in prison, while shipwrecked, while getting bit by snakes, we can learn that. If we're in a hostile work environment or a hostile home environment, we can learn how to be content whether our circumstances change or not. And that really goes to an inward calm that comes from the Prince of Peace. So I just want to encourage you, instead of going through this season like, when is it going to end and when is it going to change? The perspective should be, God, why don't you rub on me to the point where I am satisfied with you to the point where it doesn't matter what my husband does or does not do. It doesn't even matter what my children do or do not do. I'm satisfied with the I am that I am. He's everything I need him to be. And I, I want to just share my husband's testimony a little bit. He received Jesus Christ when he was about 18 years old. His mother got saved before he did. And one of the things he said really got his attention was the change in her temperament. So prior to her receiving Jesus, she would be worried a lot about him. He'd be out at the club. Why was he at the club as a teenager? I don't know. <laughs> but he was out doing things, and she could not go to sleep because she was so worried, right? She'd be pacing the floor until he walked back in the house. Well, after she got saved, he would come in all late, and she was asleep, sound asleep. That got his attention. The peace that she walked in got his attention, wow. right? And then he would hear her in the morning praying, wow, who is she talking to? What is this? And there was a joy on her that wasn't on her before. And he went to church with her and got saved. So I just want to encourage you, if you get in God's presence to the point where you have such peace that you're not um, arguing with him over every little thing, right? And he can see that change in your temperament, it's going to be attractive to him. Mm, that's good. good. That's I, good. I just want to just make sure she wasn't just talking about the marriage. She, she just talked about a mother and a son. Mm -hmm. yeah. mm -hmm. That's good. Did you, did you get that? Yeah. Yeah, so she was giving you also a prescription yeah. of how you can win, win your kids. Mm -hmm. right? men, men, men pay more attention to what they see yeah. than they do to what they hear. That's true. That's true. So you give them something to see, that's what's going to get a man's attention. Yeah. You know, if I could add. Well, let me just ahead. share this piece. Because I want you all to understand what he just said. I just said a mother and a son. He said men pay attention to more of what they see. Mm. So a lot of times, we're not giving the children anything to see. Mm. We're doing this. Mm. I told them. How many times did I tell you? Mm. And they're just not at the age yet to say to you, I believe it when I see it. Mm. Yeah. Thomas. Yeah. Wow. Amen. This was all good, good for me. <laughs> like hitting over here, hitting over here. No, this was good. Um, but, 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 but I was thinking about 
everybody, I, could, I don't know about your story, but everybody on this platform could say that at one point in time, they were wanting to give up mm. because it was hard. This is what I would sell the, tell the person. Think about what you could potentially be forfeiting mm. if you give Lord up. Jesus. Can I add to that? A transparent moment. So we, we do that to this is good. Go ahead. make sure that the person is aware of what we're about to say. Um, <laughs> yeah. This is good. This yeah, is yeah. good. So Let them use you, girl. <laughs> um, I mean, it's been, we're going on 20 years, so it's probably been, I don't know, 10 years ago or so. Um, but I totally entertain the whole entire thought of um, divorcing and being with someone else so much that um, I thought about leaving my children. Mm -hmm. I was so wrapped up into, man, I know that I can find somebody else who can love me better. Mm -hmm. I mean, it, it still breaks my heart because it was such a grievance and dark place that I allowed myself to go into just because I wasn't getting my way. Mm -hmm. My God, my God. I wasn't getting my way. Mm -hmm. Now, that doesn't mean that he was doing everything that he was supposed to or that, um, that he was totally submitted to God and what his gender roles were. No, there was some things that I could point out to say, well, you're missing it here and you're missing it over there. And, you know, that's not what you're supposed to do. But... My assignment in the covenant that I made was I wasn't going to give up on him, on our marriage, and what we were called to do together. But all I could think about was the emotional part. And Satan uses us. He baits us, ladies, right? He will use different things of their shortcomings and our emotions of, well, he's not listening to me, he didn't make me feel good, or he's not doing things that I want him to do that would make me feel. And we talked about that. We talked about getting caught up in our emotions and our feelings and how those are fickle. And when we move off of just our feelings, we are going to fail yeah. the assignment that God has before us. And so your marriage isn't just a, a, a feel-good moment. Like, God isn't just thinking about your happiness. Yeah. So good. So good. It's not. Because he wants to get something to you, right? So he will, he's not worried about you being happy. He's worried about how he can use you, what you need to work on on the inside, what you need, the junk that you need to get out of you, right? So if that is going to cause you to be unhappy, to have the lack of emotion of being unhappy, well, he's gonna have you go through a season that you're gonna be unhappy just so that he can use you. He'll do that, but he still loves you. And it's still the grace of God that he pours out on us. And so piggybacking on what Pastor Mel said, we have been through some things. We have, I mean, just in even our thoughts, Right? If our mm -hmm. thoughts were written on the walls here. <laughs> Lord, mm. Come on now. Hey, <laughs> That's good. Lord, mm. Mm. Don't give up on your marriage. 
Don't sacrifice and throw in the towel just because you're going through a season of difficulty or season where you're not understanding one another. There's some things through that process, there's some things through that season that he is wanting to get to you. And if you don't walk through it, if you try to throw in the towel as I entertain, I wouldn't be sitting here today. Nope. And because he's the man that he is, a great man, he, maybe he would be sitting here with somebody else. And that's the real. Right? That's the real of not being able to go through the process and aborting things spiritually that God wanted us to push out full term. Come on, come that's on. good. That's good. Thank you for sharing. That's good. Thank you. Yeah, for your transparency. Thank you. If I, if that's I could good. say something, sure. Just, it's, like, it's like marriage is just what comes out of us because that's what we do. But when we, if we think about this, just again going back to relationships, being relationship boot camp. Think about with Jesus, right? God was not just focused on Jesus's happiness. So here's what I'm saying with this. When he was dying on that cross, when he was being beat, when he was being hung and nailed and his, his feet being nailed to a cross, that was not a happy moment. And Jesus knew that that moment was coming, right? He knew that that torture was coming. But what sustained him, because God, again, it's not just about your happiness. It's about his assignment. Mm -hmm. So what was sustaining him was his relationship. Jesus said that I and the Father are one. And so what, what, what I'm saying with this is don't focus so much on your happiness, even in relationships, when you have to deal with your children, when you have to deal with your parents, when you have to deal with friends or people at work. But let your happiness be sustained and drawn in through your relationship with the Lord. Yeah. That's good. That's where your fulfillment is going to come in. So that when there's, there, there's those frustrating moments, when there's those scary moments in your relationships, you are sustained by your relationship with the Lord. So that's, good. Mm. that's good. Yeah. God really wants to get glory in our story. And the bigger the story, the bigger the glory. And so really, I, I said, what are we forfeiting? Because honestly, oh my God, I could kick my... Like, I, I, I can't imagine this was waiting for me. On the other side of that pain. Yeah, I do know she was thinking about divorce in the, when Early, we had a conversation, is it the second year? It was second year. I was shocked. I was like. But, but my point <laughs> is, y'all. Me? <laughs> I would have missed out on all of this. Like, I didn't see any of this in my future. At the time, it was excruciating. At the time, it, I wanted to quit. That's the words we use. It was excruciating, baby. <laughs> yeah, it was. And so, but it was excruciating. <laughs> but I'm saying, look what I would have forfeited. I didn't see any of this in my future, but it was waiting on me. It was waiting on me. Y'all didn't just, y'all weren't all just born, right? I mean, you were already existing. We were in Columbus, Ohio. God had a plan in Charlotte, North Carolina. But in order for that plan to work, we had to stay together. That's right. We had to stay together. What about you getting nobody else? We had to. Because <laughs> I don't 
know if it would be the same. Yeah. Airs mm. wouldn't have been the same her if you hadn't is, got somebody. Her point is, I wouldn't be here with somebody else. <laughs> I wouldn't be here at all. He wouldn't Which be is here true. at all. And so, because think about it. The, the first time I met my husband, y'all, the very first words came, to my, came out of my mouth was, you're a minister, aren't you? No, her actual words were, are you a minister? Are you a minister? And I was like, you know, because I had a, a professional tryout the next week. It's like, no, nah, I, I play basketball. So do you see how <laughs> the Lord, I'm his help me. I identified what was in him before he even knew. He was up there talking about oh, doing the God. professional basketball. Oh, my God. Why are you saying like that? I'm just saying. Because <laughs> <laughs> so you, you see the disgust? No, but, but the, the reason why it was a disgust, let me tell there. you. Let me tell you. <laughs> because, honey, you shine so bright in this environment. That's why. Good comeback. Good comeback. <laughs> good comeback. This is your fit, baby. <laughs> That's good comeback. And, and you know what? You score. What'd you Don't say? Give me a kiss. Awesome, awesome. I mean, you, you, you score so much where you're mm. at. And you and, and oh, and, and you assist. assist. Oh my God, you are just so powerful. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> rolling, she didn't want to be on the rebound. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's, that's my real. people. <laughs> Even when you use the analogy, it's based off of what she said. As far as throwing, you know, uh, which passes to give to yes. each and every one of us. Yeah. I just wanted to throw that. that next question. Yeah. <laughs> okay, we got a handful of questions we want to get through. Oh, okay. So this cool. next question is, and I believe it's for the married people. Um, if you and your mate have opposite expressions of affection and sexual intimacy, how do you have a conversation or find that middle ground where both parties are satisfied? Why don't we uh, ask uh, Pastor Valencia? Pastor, yeah, Pastor. <laughs> Valencia. Glory to God. You said it was. <laughs> Can you repeat the question? <laughs> Wait a minute. Let me make sure I got it. Okay. So, how do you navigate your marriage if both you and your spouse have opposite expressions of affection and sexual intimacy desires? Okay. So, you should talk to your spouse about those things. You should be, you should feel comfortable. Talking about, but if you don't feel so, it doesn't sound like they feel comfortable talking about it. And I, I had that before, <laughs> where I wasn't totally open about being comfortable about talking, because you know I was told, you know, before marriage, oh, it's bad, sex is bad, oh, don't do it. And then getting married, you know, and, and but we had been we had been like shacking before y'all before we got married, so. We, For real? Yeah, we did. <laughs> and when we really gave our lives to the Lord, it was like we had to. Well, I husband, he, he did. He did the first. He's like, I'm out. I love the Lord and I really want to live right. right by him. So I'm out of here. And I was like, for real? <laughs> Y'all, I'm like, really? I mean, we had just really committed. I'm like, what? You know, thinking back, it's like, what was I doing? But to really commit to the Lord, you're giving your whole, you know, we're supposed to commit our whole lives as a living sacrifice, not words, but actual action. Mm -hmm. And he did that by action. And me not really being submitted at first was like, I wash your clothes. <laughs> over and watch the clothes. Now, who does that? But I thank the <laughs> Lord that he was like, no, uh-uh. 
I'm being committed to the Lord first. So, you know, and, and just fast forward through all that. So, you know, I mean, it got to a point where he was like, um, we went through counseling and everything. And he was like, you know, the Lord has told me that we're supposed to have a time of separation. We have to give this, submit this relationship because what we was doing before wasn't of God. So we have to submit this relationship to you, Lord, and, find, and really be honest and true what he wants. So, you know, we submitted the relationship. We weren't seeing each other. I mean, we would wave at church and everything, but we really had to give it to him and allow the Lord to tell us. So even when he came to me and, and was like, hey, I want to marry you, I was like, what? I thought, I mean, I really seen him as my brother in Christ. And I, 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 I was like, Lord, whatever that you have, I know it was for us to, you know, be together as far as brother and sister, just to honor you because it's all about you. But then to speed up, you know, I accepted and everything and we got through that. But I still had things from before where I was allowed. I mean, the Lord had forgiven me and everything, but I had to because he would ask. Like, what do you like? I mean, you have to be vulnerable and open to your spouse and, and ask the things and you show them and you just discuss it, you know? And then we would pray together, y'all. We prayed together, even beforehand, even during, we prayed about it. And we were honest and open about what it is. So I, just given that relationship into the, you know, just honoring the Lord through that relationship and being honest and true. And if it's something you, you feel difficult about it, like, honey, I, this is difficult because I haven't dealt with this or I, there's something that's hindered me from before and being honest and true, you know, will you help me? <laughs> Let's, can we pray about it? And then, you know, gently just being, you know, consistent in that. Like I, I told my husband, we got to hold hands more. You know, we, I need you to put your arm around me. I need you to, you know, there's certain things. And I'm telling you, things got better. Things got better. And, and you know, just keeping it before the Lord. Amen. Amen. Well, she, just, go ahead. I know yeah, I kind of took you off. to what she's saying is, is one, of the, one of the vices of the enemy before marriage, singlehood, and even during marriage is, is and we don't really detect it enough like we should, but it's sex, it's intimacy. Yeah. And because of what we did before, mm -hmm. he wants to keep bringing that back. And so then when you get in a covenant relationship, his whole thing is, let me keep bringing that up, whether yeah. it's to impact her, or whether it's to impact him. Because like she was saying, you know, the things that she was thinking before we got married. So now it was like, well, I don't know how to talk about that. But no, those things are supposed to be talked about. And when she mentioned uh, us praying, it, no, it would be praying before so I could get out the way and she could get out the way and then praying during and then praying after. I mean, it was bona, that's bona fide truth because we didn't want what the enemy wanted to bring in, you know, because, you know, it, 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 one part says he comes like a flood and the other part says he comes subtly. Mm -hmm. So he's going to either come with a whole lot or he's just going to yeah. come with a little bit at a time. Mm -hmm. And in most cases, it's let me just drop this thought. That's how, you know, guys that are married slip over into pornography and all of that stuff, a little bit at a time. Mm -hmm. But it's stuff that was before. Mm -hmm. And he's like, okay, well, let me just feed that mm -hmm. little bit. Let me, you know, that, that seed. So we got to cultivate the ground and get that seed out. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So. 
This is the thing. It's, it's sometimes we're bringing a single life into a covenant world. And so you have this culture when you come up. Some of us, you know, how we grew up, we grew up in this world of lust and this culture. So then you come in and you're, you're, you're now in this covenant. And so in the world, it's, it's you know, transparently as guys, you know, you want to keep everything moving because you don't want the young lady to think about what she was doing. So we got to, you know, everything got to be moved. We can't stop. We can't do nothing because you may change your mind, you know, and everything's done with the lights out so the person don't feel, feel bad. But that's not covenant. That's not sacred intimacy or sacred sex. You know what I'm saying? That's, that, that's, it's totally transparent and vulnerable and exposed. And the thing is, a lot of times we've never, because we hide, we're taught, it's, for lack of better words, it's nasty, this, than the other, so we're not taught to vulnerably have those discussions because we are, you vulnerable there, right? And so now you're not having this conversation, so now you're doing things based on a default, but you're not doing things that's customized for your covenant. Mm-hmm. Then you're doing things that may have worked with, <coughs> can I put it uh the other people, I just say other people. That's not what I was gonna say. No, I, 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 I was trying to. <laughs> I just say other people. I wasn't gonna curse, but some of y'all might be a little sensitive to what I was gonna say. All right, but that's not gonna work for this custom designed jewel. Right. So where other people were easily exploited, that person feels devalued. So you, we, now you have to say, is your pleasure worth demeaning them, this person that you say you care about? And really, the pleasure is an appetite you picked up from your single life that you're trying to bring into a covenant. And again, I'm going to say this respectfully. We did this. We walked through this in rightly dividing the, the, the word in our Bible school. People in the, in the kingdom be using the marriage bed as undefiled. Read the scripture. That the scripture is actually saying, "Don't defile the marriage bed." But, but ain't nobody people too busy to pay attention. So they just go, "Okay, I can just do whatever." You can't bring the adversary's systems of operations into your covenant. So you may enjoy the pleasure for a moment at the destruction of your actual marriage. You may create an appetite that you can't satisfy in that covenant because that person wasn't designed that way. Right. So now you got to go outside of the covenant to mm-hmm. now quench your thirst. Mm-hmm. So you, you started something that you can't finish in your covenant. Right, right. You see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So that's why you don't defile the marriage bed. Mm-hmm. You go read it for yourself, study for yourself, read every version that you want. Um, and so that's what it is. And again, it takes, think about it, it's sacred sex. Mm-hmm. It's been designed two to become one and b- dreams and visions to take place, mm-hmm. birds and yokes to be, be destroyed. But we actually, we're in this, our own protective custody, having our own, like we talked about the other day, our private sessions, and that's causing divide. You keep feeding the flesh, you're going to fall apart. And so sometimes, as they say, we're, we're struggling with these different preferences, but just like we've been talking about in this whole boot camp, we're coming in as individuals, but the two shall become one flesh. Mm-hmm. And so now we got to talk it through. We got to discuss it through. We got to put things on the line. 
we may discover, we've discovered, we discovered there was things, we, we had the conversations, a book called Intended for Pleasure. It's a, written by a Christian. So we read through it, we talked through it, and I, I just asked her, interview, what do you like, what do you don't like? She asked me, what do you like, and what do you don't like? So some of the things we discovered were habits the other person didn't like. So I discovered some things like, I was just rolling with it because I figured that's what y'all like. And, and I was then, doing the same thing. And then she was doing stuff that she thought I like. I was like, man, that turned me off. That don't turn me on. <laughs> and she was like, huh? I thought that's what you guys like. I said, no, that's what those guys like. <laughs> now, I'm not, not, you know, and, and again, but again. <laughs> we, we, it's true. But, but and, and we talked through it. And, and that's going to help you as you get older because you're not going to always operate in the same level of vitality. So as you get older, how are you going to work through the different hormonal changes? If you haven't been vulnerable when you're at the, hi the height of your hormones, how are you going to be vulnerable as you're transitioning through your hormones? Yeah. You know, now you're going to feel like you're inadequate when you're just going through a process that you're supposed to work through together. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So hopefully that helped mm -hmm. the person. I know you got some other questions. But. Absolutely. Well, Pastor, uh, look, we got a lot of questions, so I hope you don't mind. We're going to hand a question out to each one of the panel, okay, if we can. Hey, give me the easy <laughs> and if you see that the question is a, is a duplicate, then we'll just move to the next one. I want okay? an orange one. You I'm playing. I'm joking. I'm joking. Give him an orange one, baby. Give him an orange one. Okay? So I, we're, we're going to do it that way. I but before, very, yeah. while y'all get in that, I'm going to go ahead and throw one more question out, and then we're going to start round robin with the questions that y'all have, okay? All right, so this question here came up. It says, my wife was unfaithful in the past, and I'm a person that believes once a cheater, always a cheater. I do not want to have intimacy outside of our relationship. How can I trust her with intimacy now? Oh, it says my wife was. It says my wife was unfaithful in the past. Okay, so, and and, a, and the thought was once a cheater, always, always a cheater. Always a cheater. That's right. I'm gonna let I'm gonna let anybody else have a thought there, but but I'm gonna say this to the once a cheater, always a cheater. The Bible says by the same measure you meet, you shall be measured. So if the philosophy is once somebody's uh, either breached a covenant or created mistrust or cheated, they're always cheated, is the person making the comment, would you be okay with, with God looking at you through those lenses? Because mm. we've cheated on God. Mm. So, so once we've cheated and betrayed God, can for the rest of the life God just look at us, why are you, why are you talking to me? Why are you praying to me? You cheated, right? Once you're a cheater, you're always a cheater. That's good. You know what I'm saying? So, so you know, again, we have to be willing to, to offer forgiveness and reconciliation as the Lord's leading us. Now, as a person that's got a hard heart and they're going to live in that, God will reveal that to you and you don't expose yourself to that, that abuse any further. But, but if a person, your person could be healed, they could be made whole, they could be healed of that blindness and, and the lust that caused them to do that. And they can begin again, just like we can be healed, made whole, be healed of the lust that kept us from God, and begin again and, and restore our lives too. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you for that. Right. There's that. another piece to the question, but I just wanted somebody else to chime in. Well, the other, the other piece was just how can I, again, I trust her with intimacy? Say that again. How can I trust her with intimacy now? So the, the first part was once a cheater, always a cheater, right? Mm-hmm which I don't agree with, and really just what Pastor said, you know, 
what are you, what is your, because uh, I would ask the question, what is your basis for saying that? Is it based off of because that's what people say, that's what culture says, that's what's been engraved by mom, dad, grandma, and them? Hmm. Or it, did you witness the cheating all of these many times and then that is what brought you to the conclusion? Or did you go off and just, like I said, hearsay? And then you gotta ask yourself, um, am I walking in the fullness of forgiveness that God has afforded me and that God has given to me? Or am I just so, you're not even, you're not even Jehovah Jireh, as he was saying with the tunnel vision. You just, this is how it is, that's it. And, and then you're waiting for the person to prove themselves to you, but you're still nowhere near God. Amen. So you prove, now, now you have become their God because their whole life now is based off of your approval. And if it's all about your approval, then it's actually all about you, which is making you an idol and we know what happens to idols. They fall and they break and they ain't real. That's right. Amen. So. All right, well thanks for sharing that. Uh, we'll go ahead and we'll start. Uh, Pastor Siobhan, do you mind starting with oh, your sure. question? Okay. All right. Yes. So we have two questions, but I'll just do one. And oh, then, that's fine. Uh, yeah. Yes. So this question is, could you speak to how to harmonize in relationships within the church? What helps a body of believers stay in agreement? I, I would definitely start with what helps a body of believers stay in agreement. What's number, number one, what's the, what's the vision of the house? Because when there's, where there's agreement, whatever the head of the house is distributing to the people, that's where God is going, then actually that's what the two individuals in relationship should really be focused on. To try and start something else, and I don't know if that's the case, but to do something different, have a different way that you're going about something is division. Pastor Bradley had talked about that. But the focus being, what's the, what's the heart of the house? What, what, what are we doing as the church and really celebrating and supporting and encouraging that? Let's go there. Uh, could you speak to how to harmonize in relationships within the church? And so uh, my pastor, he always talks about there's three levels of relationships, okay? So he says that you want to have people that you look up to, people that you reach out to, and people that you can pull up. Mm. Three levels. So people that you can reach, look up to, you know, if that be a pastor, right? So we understand Pastor Bradley teaches in this church, I know because he taught it to me as a youth, about spiritual authority understanding the power of that spiritual authority. And when I submit to that authority, it positions me to then be receiving that same authority when it's my time, right? Um, that's harmonizing in that particular relationship. You know, not becoming familiar with your man of God or your woman of God, but submitting and, and seeing them as the gift that God has given you in this season. Reaching out. Right? Or just, yeah, that's, that's out. Right? Mm -hmm. That's out. That's what I said. <laughs> so the Bible says, forsake not the assembling of ourselves together. You know, it's, it's highly your benefit 
to have partners in this life. We can't do Christianity without other believers. We need each other, right? We have to intentionally go toward reaching out to each other. You know, scripture talks about when you are dealing with uh, uh, situations or faults, confess your faults one to another. Pray for one another. For what reason? So that you may be healed. So a lot of times your answers to what you need is in the relationships that you reach out to. Important. The third relationship is the one that you pull up. God has brought us a long way. God has brought you a long way in who you are and what what you were set to do in this life and in this world and in the kingdom. There are other people that need you. I was just, I had just put a post out there not too long ago. Individuals that are 18 to 25 these days need people. They need us to be mentors. They need us to, to be someone that can help guide them because a lot, of, a lot of the youth today, unfortunately, are lost and confused because of social media and just the way the light that, that the world is going right now. So we got to position ourselves each one, reach one. Let's, let's just go. Let's, let's touch other people. And so that's what I would say. Hopefully that, how do you harmonize? Just do it, do it the Lord's way. Amen. After divorce, is it best, and that is underlined, to remain single? I rebuke that in Jesus' name. Amen. I was, I was, I was divorced before. Right. Me too. Right. If that was the case, I wouldn't be married Come to this on. man. Me too. Amen. Me too. Yeah. Me too. Yeah. Me too. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So we have that, wow. that answer. Um, <laughs> <laughs> of course, is it best to remain single? No. Although, it is best to become whole. Yes. 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 Amen. Okay? Amen. It's best to, and that wholeness, you know, can take some time. To, to get to um, being whole again. And when we say whole, that, that's a, that can be kind of cultural type of um, terminology um, or the culture has taken that from us biblically. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the wholeness is having a, a peace of mind and um, no baggage. It would be... Healed. Yeah, yeah. Healed. Yeah, it's like healed. healed. Yes. You know. Yes, sir. It would be healed in... Um, the restoration. So when we hear the word restoration, be mindful of that is God restoring you not to your original That's right. intent, right? But before the damage or any type of emotion that hurt you or harmed you came. Oh, I got that from you. That's okay. Good. <laughs> That's good. That's good. Well, I, I just want to add this one piece. Uh, it may not be best to remain single, but it's best to remain obedient. Amen. Amen. That's good. I like what she said also. That's good what you said. I love what she said, becoming whole, because um, if you don't think about what you did in that marriage, you'll take it to another one. And, and that's important to like really have some self-reflection because we be so anxious to get out and then we jump right in to something that we're really not ready for. 
So being whole and thinking about what happened, what you could have done better, is so important to do because I'm telling you, you will jump out of that fire into another frying pan. And you never heal from the, the, the trauma that actually took place in that one situation. And so it's, it's so vitally important. But there is hope for people that have gotten a divorce. And I thank God for that because, you know, um, in some religions, they say once you get married, that's it. That's you, it. You're done. But that's not the way God sees it. You know, I made a choice to marry somebody that really, it wasn't supposed to be anyway. I was unequally yoked in the situation. And so it just wasn't a really good situation, to be honest with you. So I, I think that. So I thank God, you know, for his grace and his mercy because I was supposed to be happy with him. Yeah. That's you know, right. I was supposed to experience Amen. love. To me, it is a tragedy, y'all. When you go through life, you get hurt from one person, and now that one person affects you your whole life, mm -hmm. and you never, ever experience life before you Jesus. check out. Right. Before you check out of this earth, can you imagine? You don't experience you, fulfillment. You don't, you don't experience, like, like, to me it's a tragedy to check out, die, and never have an experience love. Like, I know what true love feels like now, and what it's like, and not just what it feels like, what it's like. And what it looks like. And what it looks, yeah, that's what I mean, what it looks like. Because yeah. you can say all day, you know, hey, I love you, baby. But I, if I'm not seeing the it's fruits of that, way. then that's, that's not, look, that, that worked when I was a young girl, <laughs> you know, when I was, <laughs> when I didn't know no better. Oh, that sound good. Yeah. yeah, I mean, <laughs> but the actions didn't line up with it. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so I just, I, I really encourage you, if you have been hurt, do not allow that one moment of hurt to, transpose it over your whole life and you never really uh, receive what God really wants all of us to experience. Love, love in marriage is really a good reflection, it should be, of how God loves the church. You know what I'm saying? It's, it's supposed to emulate that and so I just, uh, I'm so thankful that I did not give up on marriage. Mm -hmm. Amen. All right. Thank you. Pastor mm -hmm. Val? Mine is, uh, why is relationship boot camp important to those that are single, dating, and or married? Glory to God. <laughs> it sounds like the person, yeah, might be single or what have you. But anyway, um, regarding re relationship boot camp, um, this is the perfect opportunity, of course, for us all to come together. And for any type of relationship, even if it's none of these that are listed, just to add that one in, is for us to really just take ourselves away, you know, get ourselves out of it and really submit our lives to, you know, to the Lord because he desires to be, you know, reconciled back to us. God desires that reconciliation with us because he sent his son for that. Um, so that's the first thing of just getting out of the way and really, truly having that relationship with him because he's the one that gives us um, the understanding of what a relationship looks like and how we're supposed to forgive and, and be patient and be kind and, you know, go and intercede for others. And it's, you know, not about just our wants and our needs, but what's their need? You know, Lord, how do I, how do I talk? What do I pray? What do I say? Not just based on our feelings. Um, and that's for everybody, whether you're single, you know, dating or married. But the, the dating part, you know, uh, the dating 
so with dating, and I, I've, I've felt this for, even for myself when you know we were courting is, um, don't look at it as like the world looks at it. Because um, there was a time that I was dating and it was so empty. It, was, it wasn't going anywhere. So that's the whole purpose of going to premarital. You're getting, you should be able to ask all the questions. You should be able to find out what it is that this person, you know, and it should go somewhere. It shouldn't just be like, we just gonna hang out for the next two years and just, no, it should be going somewhere. There should be, you know, and you both, you know, as far, as far as being in the Lord, you know, what does this look like, Lord? What, you know, what are your dreams? What am I, and then, you know, basing them, okay, what does the Lord have us, you know, bringing us together for, you know, because the marriage is supposed to represent, like you just said, our Heavenly Father. Uh, so being intentional about that, taking the time, getting to know the person. But then when you're getting to know the person, you know, not allowing yourself the time to just be alone. You need to have other people around to make sure there's no temptation. <laughs> keep other people around. But then, you know, definitely keep a, a, a honest and true relationship with the Lord about where you're at so you can discuss, even in those um, premarital counseling times, what it is and, you know, what things look like. And, and look at those red flags and be honest and true about that, you know, and, and, and as far as being married, you know, coming before, you know, even with your spouse, before you're coming to the spouse, remember that train where everybody's going toward the husband and the wife, both going to the Lord, and then we come to each other based on whatever is going on in the household or feeling a certain way, not going off of what we feel and what have you. So I believe that relationship boot camp is giving us the opportunity to get the tools and different perspectives, but all God's perspectives, not our own, and allowing him to be um, the, the final say and not just ourselves, but bringing to the table what, we, what we've both gotten from the Lord. So I hope that has helped. That's great. That's great, God. Help me. <laughs> Your turn. Oh, I, it's my turn. Can I comment as well on that? Yeah. Uh, um, I think that uh, as a pastor, uh, if there's one mistake that I see sometimes in uh, people today, it's that people only collect sermons for what they think they need right now. Mm. And I think that's a huge mistake. Uh, I think that your heart is designed to not only collect what you need for the here and now, but it's also to collect what you need for the future. Uh, as married couples, sometimes we have to go back into our past and we have to reevaluate behaviors, uh, and patterns that we developed while we were single. I mean, we're married today, but we have to go back and revisit some things that we did while we were single, while we were children, because we see the effects mm -hmm. that it's having on us today. Yeah. For single people, uh, one of the reasons why it's so important to hear healthy teaching on marriage uh, is, see, what the world is doing is that the world understands how important the home is. That is the reason why they work so hard to redefine what men are, what women are, what marriage is, because they understand that if you build, in order to build uh, or change the way society thinks, if you do not get into the home, you will not be successful. That's true. And sometimes uh, we, we grow up in homes and in environments that may not necessarily have been healthy, may not have been the greatest. But it, when you, to, to look at the way that God originally designed it, a healthy man and a healthy woman in a marriage is a reflection of the relationship that Jesus has with the church. Mm -hmm. So in order to understand the type of relationship God wants to have with you, you have to look at 
the way that a marriage is supposed to function. The mm. intimacy that husbands and wives share is it gives us a natural illustration and example of the type of intimacy that God desires to have with us. Jesus says, listen, the same way that I am the head of the church, the husband is the head of the wife. The same way that Holy Spirit is called a helper, a wife is called a help meet. So the better I understand, the the better I understand Jesus, the better I understand uh, what a, a, a leader of a home is supposed to look like. And the better I understand a wife, the better I understand the role of Holy Spirit in my life. Mm-hmm. And so, it, so it's important that you don't, like if you're single, the only people I can listen to, the only people I can hear right now are just teachers that are single, that are in my world, that are experiencing what I'm experiencing right now. No, you, you need someone outside of your sphere, outside of your atmosphere sometimes, sharing some things that, that, that may be a little bit different than what you need right now. Because again, three years from now, you may need something. And if you haven't been filling your heart up, then now you, now you got to go to school and learn something that you could have learned years ago had you just been paying attention to teaching that you think didn't apply to you in that moment. That's real good. Amen. Wow. Amen. Amen. Wow. That's, real, that's good. That's real good. Eight days. That's said it. Pastor Val and, and Pastor Sean basically answered the question that I had here. Uh, it says, as a man, I value ownership and accountability. How do I express that to my partner? And I'm going to say partner slash spouse because I don't consider my wife my partner. This is my spouse. This is my help me. So when you say partner, I'm, I'm thinking somebody you're courting or dating. But if that's your word you want to use, that's your word you want to use. I'm just giving you my interpretation of reading partner. Can you get both? Yeah, that's why I said partner slash spouse. Mm -hmm. Uh, Without it coming off as I told you so. If you're you're asking how do you express it to your partner or spouse without coming off as I told you so, a value of ownership and accountability, well, just take ownership of what you do and hold yourself accountable. Mm -hmm. And not, because when I'm reading this and I'm, hearing this and seeing this, the underlying, you know, the, the, the words that aren't written but they're said from that question yeah. is you're looking for them, basically you're doing like this. Put it in a nutshell, you're doing like this. Well, didn't I tell you? Why don't you take, no, why don't you just take the ownership of your part, as you were saying earlier, and sit back and reflect and do some self-evaluation and some self-checking and some self-cultivating and some self-digging and a whole lot of self Mm -hmm. stuff. At that moment, you can't get yourself out of the way. You gotta deal with yourself. Like the prodigal son, he had to come to himself. So you gotta come to yourself and say, am I taking ownership of what I'm supposed to do as it pertains to this relationship, partnership, marriage ship, or whatever and am I being accountable? Or do I, do I throw up a wall or a fence when they say something? But then if I, the other part of it, they said, I ask this because ownership is only taken when it's brought up, but not outside of bringing it up. So who bringing it up? Because if you bringing it up, then you're looking to try to validate yourself. And if it's being brought up to you, then maybe the person is looking for validation from you. 
you know, there's a validation piece mm -hmm. that's still involved in this. And the, the only validation we really need is really from the Lord. So mm -hmm. if you're doing the self-evaluations and the self-reflections and asking yourself, am I taking ownership of the things I've done or the things I've said? Mm -hmm. And am I holding myself accountable? And you know, when you hold yourself accountable, I think you had mentioned it, you still got other people that you look up to, that you reach out to, and that you pull up. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So the ones I'm gonna look up to Pastor Keith, Pastor Mel, then I have some other pastor friends in, in Central Ohio area. I'll ask them, you know, to see, because even though I'm a pastor, it's like I still gotta have somebody I can talk to and be accountable to. Amen. Right? Because yeah. and, and as men, so, so a lot of y'all may or may not be on guy talk, but as men, we have a tendency to not want to be accountable to other men. That's right. Because I'm a man. I know what, man, I'm a man. Mm -hmm. you know, I'm a man's man. Well, but then to be accountable <laughs> to another man is a whole nother level strength of accountability. It's, it's not yeah. just, I'm gonna hold myself accountable. But if you're holding yourself accountable, like, well, you know, Pastor, what you think? And it's been many a time, he said it last night, he'd have had them tough conversations. A man having a tough conversation with another man, if you want to be accountable, you won't feel less of a man when you ask a question to that man. That's mm -hmm. right. Yeah, man. All right, that's it. Oh, that's, that's good. True. That's true. All right, uh, let me see. I've answered this one, but I'm going to ask the question anyway, because other people, I mean, somebody else may have submitted it. Somehow I don't think so, but somebody else has it. So if I believe God gave me a vision of who my spouse is, what do I do from there? From a woman perspective and a man perspective. And so we talked, we talked about vision earlier, how, uh, you know, sometimes we see in part, you know, and that, as, as it, gets, goes, it gets closer, it gets clearer. Well, what sometimes impairs our vision is uh, where we are in the situation. So let's say in my case, I was done with relationships and I said, okay, God, I'll just wait till you find me somebody. And until you find me somebody, I'm cool. I'm just going to be content in my relationship with you. You know, I was pursuing basketball, working on hoops. I'm good. I'm not looking for nobody. Uh, so when God told me that was my wife, I, di I didn't already have in me, is it her? Is it her? Is it her? It could be her. It could be her. It's probably her. It's, it's that. It's her. It's her. That's so, so now, how do I know when I said I got a vision for who it is, it's not influenced by That's really good. me. <laughs> All right. So even me, because I wasn't looking for someone, God told me that Pastor Mel was my wife. I mean, I wasn't just going, well, if God told me that's wife, that's my wife. What I said was, if that's my wife, I challenged it, then I don't have to orchestrate this. I don't have to put my hands on it. I don't have to influence it. And, you know, we've told you the story. You know, of course, we met supernaturally at the altar, but she, she that day, the, the guy she broke up with was begging her to get back into the relationship. 
And so as we were talking, she was, she was asking me advice. I, I'm not giving you any advice. Because I, on the inside, I was like, if I give her this advice, I know the outcome. If we go through any wars, if this is my wife, I'm going to be looking over my shoulder. I orchestrated it. I put my hands on it. I made sure I showed up at the diner that I know she eat at. I made sure I actually just happened to be at the same movie that they don't know I overheard them say they were going to. You know, like I'm constantly involving myself. What you do is you go deeper in God. You go deeper in God, let it evolve. If God's saying that that's your mate, that's for you to see what God is about to start moving to you. That ain't for you to start moving towards it. That's good. That's good. That's good. Right? That's male or female. And I, I can just add and attest to it because this is what we did. She mentioned we met and we shacked and we were nowhere near God. And then when we got saved, I moved out. And even after moving out, I, I said, I want to go deeper in God. So I told her, we ain't talking. I ain't coming by. We ain't going to no movie. We ain't going out to eat, nothing. If I see you at church, I'll wave from a distance. I ain't hugging you. What's up, sis? None of that. And I said, at a minimum, at a minimum, we're going to do this for like a month. At a minimum. We're going to start out with a month and then whatever after that. The month was over and we happened to be passing each other in the concourse on Lakeview. And I said, God said, I got to keep going longer. I still ain't talking. That's the only thing I said. And ain't <laughs> wasn't calling nothing. So it was just, you know, to, to, to piggyback on Pastor said, you, you go deeper in God. I mean, it was like I fasted. And y'all heard her say, she, she said she saw me as her brother. Yeah. I don't know if y'all really caught that. Did. But let me give you the other part that she told me later. She was, as her seeing me as her brother, she was like, oh, hey, she might look good with him. Yes, yeah, really sweet I mean, so she was really out of the way. And I wouldn't think, I won't think about nobody except for, man, I, I really, look, my whole thought was I'm going deeper in God and I hope I can just stay saved because the night before I got saved, you know, it'd be YOB and everything else. But it was just like, just, you know, if I'm, if I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I, I always said that if I, when I go to church because I saw family and friends who go to church, get out of church, and then they kicking it. I was like, no, if I go, I'm going to go. But I wasn't even thinking about the relationship. It was I, I genuinely gave it to God early. So now, we are, now here we are almost 25 years later, and I, I see because we gave it to him early, he was able to deal with the stuff that wouldn't have an impact two years later. Yeah. You know what yeah. I'm saying? Yeah. It's like some of the things that could have been, even though we hit some bumps, we were strong enough to overcome the bumps because we gave it to God early. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. Sure. Okay, so I'm just gonna add um, to that a female perspective. I've heard it said that a woman will not know first because God would never tell a woman that first because she's not the leader. However, 
I know of someone that that actually did happen to her. She's a really good friend of mine, and this is how she handled it, and I was so impressed. So the Lord told her who her husband was, and she was very young, like early 20s, right? And she didn't tell anyone, right? Not even me. We're best friends. She didn't say anything to me. Around, I know this now. This is like 20 years later. Around the same time, I had my first open vision. In this open vision, I saw her getting married to this guy. And we had just started dating. Um, the vision ended, and I was like, oh, who can I tell? Who can I tell? I was so excited. And I called him, and I said, guess what I just saw? And I said, I saw so-and-so marrying so-and-so. And he was like, nah. Nah, nah. <laughs> so I was like, okay, 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 this is what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna like kind of ask indirect questions to see if she's interested. And you ask him, you know, indirect questions to see if he's interested. And my girlfriend was like, no, nah, girl, that's my brother. I don't even like him like that, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and his boy said the exact same thing. Nah, nah, that's my sister, blah, blah, blah. This went on for 10 years. Wow. 10 years. Now, what I did not know is that God had already told her that that was her husband, but she was, he's my brother in the Lord to us, right, out loud. She didn't chase him. She didn't show up at the diner where she knew he was going to be. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? He was dating other women. She didn't complain. She never said anything. And now they are married, has been married for wow. over 10 years. They have three beautiful children, and they're in ministry together. Wow. So I do believe God might tell a female, this is your husband, but he would only tell her that if she's mature enough, Mm. to not orchestrate things to help God with the vision he just gave her. That's good. Amen. And then I also believe that God will confirm it for you. So once they did get engaged and once they, after they did get married, I was able to say, hey, I had an open vision and I saw your wedding. Like, you know, and there were other people that confirmed, yes, this definitely was God just to reinforce for them on those hard days. Yes, we were supposed to do this. This was the right decision. That's good. So, yeah. That's good. That's awesome. That's so in other words, you said don't do nothing. Don't do nothing. Keep praying. If God reveals something, he can't lie. So it's going to happen. He's just giving you the, the step you need to know so that when it does come into play, you're not tripped up by the lies of the enemy telling you that this is not God. God already told me it was God. So then when it happens, I can just step into it easier. That's good. Amen. That's good. Pastor Amen. Bradley. So... That's exactly what happened um, to me. Um, we were at our church and um, we were in the foyer and I was doing attendance for the choir. So, you know, we had like 100 people or so mm -hmm. and we had to do attendance as they were walking in. Um, Siobhan and I were already friends because we were leaders in the choir. So he walks past and I hear, that's your husband. I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> No. <laughs> I knew. Right, what was it? Yeah, I was, was like, yeah. no. What's that I was like, no, no. Look at Siobhan, like, why? No. no. Started, I'm like, we're friends. You started buying it and rebuking. I'm like, yes, I'm like, we're, that's my friend. I'm like, no. I held on to that. I mean, forever. I didn't tell anyone because I wasn't all the way in agreement. So it was easy for me not to, to share that. This is not helping me, man. <laughs> but you had, to, you had a part two, though, right? Yeah. So anyhow, that, anyway, God had told me, I believe, um, before or maybe at the same time. But I heard that and was like, no. And 
we're here wow. together. Mm-hmm. Amen, yes. amen, amen, amen. You don't want to add? No, you got it. Okay. Well, yeah. I thought God told you something too. Oh, absolutely, yeah. Ab- absolutely. But, that? but okay. You don't want to share? Sure, okay. I'll share. So yeah, so so for for me, my my side of it was again. I've seen Lakeisha in church, and it was just one of those. It was a. I knew exactly where she was standing. I I still remember what she had on. I remember her hair was braided. She had this 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 silver kind of eyeliner on. I just like remember the details, and the Lord just said, "That's your wife." And I remember years before that, when I was single, God told me that I was going to marry someone named Keisha, yes. and it was just like, okay. "I'm right now. I'm right, right now." Yeah, I remember when he called me That's up. Amazing. Did you? Yeah, so you still owe me royalties. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, so the question is, uh, it says, uh, women, how do you uh, effectively cover your husband consistently? How do you cover your husband effectively, consistently? I would say, obviously, prayer. Prayer is like, but, but, but not just a shallow prayer, you know, but really go in for your husband. You have been able to identify certain areas of weakness and maybe even things that he, you've not even shared, but God has revealed, uh, you know, some things about him um, through the Holy Spirit. And so pr- bring those things to the Father, you know, cover him in prayer. The other thing is... Um, you know, uh, uh, commit, like, like commit to actually partner with him, like be his partner, you know, be his friend, be, be, you know, teammate, yeah, teammate, you know, team player, Mm -hmm. you know, um, and, uh, he should know that you're with him, not just by your words, but by your actions. Mm -hmm. Like you really like an engage a person just by the way you look at him the way you talk to him, you know, the way you feel him, the way you feel him. I got you. <laughs> so, I, I picked it up. I, you know, yeah, I, was just, <laughs> I was just trying to be, you know, uh, focused. But even, but even not just physically, but mentally how you feel him. You know what I'm saying? Like really uh, get in tune with him because the Bible says in Proverbs 31, it talks about um, that, that the husband doeth safely trust in her. So you want to build that trust and, and, and help him to see, baby, you got a safe place to land. Mm-hmm. Out there may be crazy, but you got a safe place to land. And you are in my heart. So you're, you're, you're encouraging him on a consistent basis. You the man. You know, you're powerful. Man, you're like, you should see him light up when uh, you don't even see it I'm yourself. I'm that. <laughs> but as I talk about what I see in him, and, 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 and he just lights up yeah. like a Christmas tree. And so the power of your words is so, is so powerful. You can either make him feel small yeah. or you can make him feel just as grand as the, the what is the Eiffel Tower. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And, and, and he'll stand up on the inside and feel like somebody believes me, somebody cares about me. Well, if you trust her, you'll stand up on the outside too. Yeah, yeah. You won't just hide it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the vision for this church, I told you, it was a 100-page proposal. Mm-hmm. I gave it to her first. Mm-hmm. And she's like, I will go to this church. Wow. Oh, I bring on the hurdles. Mm-hmm. She says she'll go to the church. I, I just knew, uh, even the, uh, the book I just finished is coming out here soon. She's already read it. Yeah. 
And she was like, oh my God, oh my God. Mm -hmm. Like every time I was talking to her, she, she said, babe, I she read it quick. Yeah. That's saying something. Yeah. Mm -hmm. She easily read through it. Mm -hmm. So that means it kept her attention. Mm -hmm. And then when she was giving me her feedback, she's writing the forward, but she was giving me her feedback. I was like, based on the forward, I was like, I think I'll read that book too. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So, so, but it, 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 uh, that does something for you, you know, because that she's anointed and she's God brought her in my life to help me. Mm -hmm. So to, to be a catalyst to infuse a level of strength, just, um, Force can't do, but love can. Mm -hmm. That's good. Yeah, and I think wow. the other piece is in your prayer is, Lord, help me to see his heart. Yeah. Help me to really see his heart. And even areas that he may not even be aware of, I ask for that because I am here to assist. Amen. And so, um, yeah, so, you know, just that would be my, my thing is to really, um, that was great. you know, cover cover your man like that. What's, what's the story in the Bible where, uh, is it Elisha who, remember the, the little boy who had died and he went in with yeah. hands and he put what his hands on top of his hands. Oh, and, yeah. Yeah. It's almost like he laid on top of the boy. Face to yeah, face. Yeah, face, that, to that's face. another way you cover your husband. You yeah. just lay hands on the way yeah. that Elijah did. You lay on top of him. <laughs> <laughs> we, all, we always receive that too. Right? <laughs> 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 so preaching, am I preaching good in here, brothers? <laughs> <laughs> All right, moving on to the next question. <laughs> <laughs> hey, he, he, didn't, he didn't lit up like a Christmas tree over there. Boy, look at <laughs> <laughs> you want me to read it? You want me to read it for you and then you answer? Okay, okay so this one is oh to the God. wives on the panel. Okay, it says, Which, was Job's wife wrong? Remember, Job's wife said to him, you should just curse God and die. Right. So she said, was Job's, I'm, at, I'm assuming this is a woman who's saying, was Job's wife wrong from a woman's perspective, currently dealing around, it sounds like loss, like how do you deal with loss? And then the scripture is Suffer Psalm, loss. yes, loss. if you're suffering loss, Psalm 14 and 1. And what Psalm 14 and 1 says is, the fool has said in his heart, there is no God. They are corrupt. They have done um, abominable works. There is none that doeth good. So the first thing that's coming to mind is, was Job's wife wrong? Simple answer is yes, because although she was suffering pain and loss, this is what a lot of people do wrong. They blame God for the loss, and they also attack their partner while they're going through the grief. So she saw, I mean, they lost all their children, their livelihood, of uh, their, their means of making money, everything in literally one day. And most of us don't go through that amount of loss in one day. You know, we might lose the family, but not the business. We might lose the business, but not the family, et cetera, et cetera. And he got sick. Um, she took her anger and attacked God and her husband. And what we should do with our anger is be honest with God and say, I am so angry and hurt and shocked, devastated, all of it, that this happened to me. But like Job said, I won't curse God, right? Because we have to understand who our help comes from. Our help comes from the Lord. So when we start to curse him, not only are we going through the trauma, but now we're going to prolong the trauma because he's the only one that can bring healing. This tells me that Job's wife didn't fully understand the nature and the character of God. God is life. 
so life doesn't kill. So her children dying was because of the devil, not because of God. So that same anger that she attacked her husband with, she should have been attacking the devil with. Mm. That's good. Right? That's good. And so, you know, it's fine to feel that anger, but turn that anger in the right direction. Let's not attack our partner. Your spouse, during a time of loss, that's when the marriage should get stronger. Because now we're going to pray each other through this pain. We're going to talk to each other like we're each other's therapists, right? We're going to stay up all night together. I'm not going to be pacing the floor by myself. I'm going to pace the floor with my spouse. So by the time we heal from this, we're going to be a stronger couple than we were before the tragedy, not a weaker couple after the tragedy. So I would say, yes, she was right to be upset, but she channeled her anger in the wrong way. Yep. That's good. That's good. That's good. I, That's good. I just, when she said it, I was, so Job lost all 10 of his kids and all of his stuff. But see, we as the body of believers, we look at the question, was his wife wrong? But then what happened on the backside? Because he didn't just get it back. She got it back too. Don't forget that because he ain't going to have no more kids without her. Do any of the other wives I'm, want to chime in? Because this person said wives, so I think they wanted all oh, yeah, of us. Y'all, yeah, yeah. All of us. I'm sorry, they just came to my mind. But you're absolutely right. <laughs> you know, she just, got restored, too. Yeah. And they did say wives. You got to stay out of it. That's okay. <laughs> he got excited. <laughs> I did. I mean, I'm like, wow, man. His wife got... See, she, she feeding me, though. She can't get it on. All right, thank you. are supposed to drink from your own well. <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> I'm just teasing. No, I'm just teasing. <laughs> oh, oh, okay, mom. <laughs> okay. Uh, so one of the other wives before we before we had to put some people to bed. <laughs> I, I don't have anything else to add. Yeah, I mean that was really good. Yeah, Be angry really and sit not. Amen. Yeah, I thought you did. I thought Amen. You did well. yeah. And that then just true. that Psalm 14:1, the fool has said in his heart, "There is no God." Fool uh, means re- rebellious, mm-hmm. not someone who's not intelligent. So, again, she she probably had a level of understanding of who God was, but she was just so hurt, mm-hmm. you know, that it was just like, I know God is love, but I don't even want His love right now. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I've been there, and a lot of us have been there. But we have to, we, that's when it's important that we hide the word in our heart. Mm-hmm. Because when our heart is broken, what will leak out is the word. Yeah. Right? Sure. And the word should be louder than our emotions. And it should be able to anchor us to the truth. Yeah. yeah. I think she said something that was big. Mm-hmm. A lot of times when tragedy happens, separation happens. Yeah. And they grieve individually as opposed to coming together. You both are experiencing the same loss. And so talking it through, walking it through, crying it through, you know, being together, you now have somebody that's supporting you Mm -hmm. even. Because think about it. When you isolate yourself, now you feel alone. Mm -hmm. When your partner is dealing with the exact same thing. So when you put both of those experiences together, then now one will encourage the other. The other person will encourage the other. I mean, you, you're doing it together as opposed, and it's longer if you do it the separate. Yeah. That whole situation, and then what happens? They start to turn against each other. Yeah. You know, well, you've been over, you know, in the, in the other room crying, and, and, and it's been a whole year now, and you haven't given me anything. 
Yeah. You, you see what I'm saying? And, and as opposed to, now, if he was with her, he would see, hey, he would help. Yeah. You know, so that, that, I think that was big what you said. I think we should do it together. I think this happens too a lot when there's infertility in mm -hmm. a relationship. Mm -hmm. Oftentimes, the wife and the husband, they're both experiencing loss, but they're mm -hmm. experiencing it in a different way. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's sometimes the enemy will start to, in our minds, have us compare how mm -hmm. we're experiencing the loss. Mm -hmm. And so one spouse feels like, well, they don't even care. They've moved on, right? And, but, but it's important to communicate, hey, we both experienced this loss. I want to understand how, how you're experiencing it and allow them to explain to you how it feels for them. Mm -hmm. And then you do the same thing so that you both can share in the experience. And again, that miscarriage or that infertility struggle doesn't, again, create another wedge in the marriage where instead it turns into a bridge where we're closer and we're going to mm -hmm. fight infertility together mm -hmm. instead of I'm dealing with my own issues with it and they're dealing with it separately. Wow. And not even infertility only, but yeah. also the, the age. When you age, mm -hmm. your body goes through different chemical, uh, hormonal type things, right? And so, you know, as a 20-year-old man, you, you got a lot of, what is it, testosterone? Testosterone. <laughs> that will work. You, you got a lot of that. <laughs> but as you age, it starts to decrease. And so then that, that's a whole other set of problems or challenges, I'll say. It's not a problem. It's just a, a challenge. And when you come together, but if you're in hiding and, you know, and, 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 and now, you know, you don't have the, 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 the woman doesn't have libido, the man can't get it up, whatever the case is, now you got to, that, that's a hot mess. And so what you do is you talk it through. You be, you, it, this is the time to like um, discover, to explore, yeah. you know? I mean, it's a, it's a wonderful time actually. And so some of you, you're probably young right now and you don't have no problem, but as you get older, think your yeah. body yeah. shifts and yeah. changes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So you have to talk it through. You have to talk, you have to say something, mm -hmm. you know? And, and we, we just, I love our communication because it's nothing we cannot talk about. Amen. Nothing we can't talk about. And so it's just been a blessing, you know, for uh, just as we, you know, because we've gone through stages of, even when I was younger, I, you know, I wasn't really, um, uh, what's the word? I wasn't really uh, easily stimulated, I guess you would say. Yeah. But, uh, but, you know, I thank God for our transparency and, and, you know, we work through those things. But imagine if we didn't say nothing. We, we'd all be frustrated. It's so it's, it's, it, that, you know, is big right there. Yeah. That's good. Um, just while we're on the subject a little bit, you know, one, erectile dysfunction is something that is oftentimes sold as an issue that older men deal with. Mm -hmm. But uh, what they found, what new studies have found is that this is an issue that men in their 20s are starting yep. to deal with now. Sure and it's because of an overstimulation yes. of the imagery that they have exposed themselves to through mm -hmm. pornography. Yep. Uh, because the biggest sex organ we have is our brains. Yeah. And when our brain is so used to seeing it at such a high level, it's very hard to deal with a real relationship, a real person mm -hmm. that we've got that's to it. look at and, and, right. and feel emotion for and connect with, yeah. et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. So that's, a, that's motivation to, uh, and the Bible tells us that uh, hell has a voracious appetite, mm -hmm. so the eyes of man are never satisfied. Wow. So you can never look at enough where you say, all right, I had enough. I don't need any more for the next year. <laughs> 
I'm full. <laughs> no, that's real good. And that's because good. here's the thing. That's good. What happens is in, in marriages, what can what can happen if they were doing that? Uh, it causes like you you don't even there's a difference between lust and right. intimacy. Mm-hmm. If or if true love or it. true love. And mm-hmm. so what happens is if you are so uh, lust motivated, then you're going to always be looking at your partner through the lenses of lust. Right. Mm. And what hap- you get frustrated because she's not designed to have relations with you seven days a week. In most cases, I'm saying. Okay, there are some women that... You, you ain't like, getting no amens on that one. You ain't getting no amens. Let me clarify. That's, that's the first time Pastor Woo! Melanie would get any amens on that. <laughs> look, look, you see that? It's what? like... What you talking about? I know. <laughs> but you that, know what? Seven, seven, no, stuff. seven no, days but, ain't enough. But here's the thing. And, and, and to what he just said, sometimes it's because the, see, a lot of men get the bad rap of being, you know, indulging in that. There, there are a lot more women that do it too. Huh? Oh, wait, what? What? <laughs> Are you speaking talking, of porn? What are you talking about? I'm talking about pornography. I'm talking about pornography. Yeah, yeah. Talking about pornography. yeah, yeah. You can still see. Yeah, yeah. there's <laughs> And so, but but like he said, what we're doing, what, 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 not we, because I don't, I've never done it and never will, but the thing is, it, it stimulates a part of your brain that uh, goes into your imagination. That's the very thing that God has get, equipped us to have, is imagination. Think about it. He told uh, Abraham to look at the, the sand, look at the you know, sky, and uh, all that for imagination so that we can see, right? Mm-hmm. But what happens is, and this is for single people, if you're doing it when you're single, then you could, you could be with, it could be an ugly person I'm saying it's relative because not anybody's really ugly, but an unattractive person, even in your eyes. And and they will, all you see is the person that you've been looking at on Friday night. Mm -hmm. You, like, you can turn that person into the people you've been watching easily. That that reminds me of, um, we get a lot of couples, married couples who, um, suggests that masturbation in marriage is good, mm-hmm. is okay. And I don't know where that, where that came where from. Came from. Yeah. Um, it came from that scripture, the marriage bed is undefined. Uh, yep. That's, That's true. where it came from. That is true. <laughs> that is true. Right, yeah. Um, that and even the entertainment of um, bringing someone else into mm. the marriage. Swinging. That's yep. what they called it back in the day, swinger. Yeah, well, swinging, I think, is you're exchanging. This is just a third person that has come into yeah. the relationship. But um, the whole masturbation piece, the reason why I'm thinking about that is because it's your imagination that you're having to use and stimulate um, when you are masturbating. And I can't find someone who could be completely honest and say to me, that while they're masturbating, even with their spouse's approval, that every time that they go to masturbate, that they're thinking of their spouse. Mm. Mm. You, you, you can't convince me that every single time that you were to masturbate, that you're thinking of the person you're in covenant with. 
If you well, can, well, let's talk well, after. Well, it would be difficult from this standpoint because you're operating the level of lust. Lust is insatiable. Mm -hmm. So what happens is what stimulated you on the front end, now you're numb to, so you have to create new stimuli. Mm -hmm. So you actually have to find something that's foreign to create a level, to, to produce the same level of, um, of um, mm -hmm. excitement is good, yes, mm -hmm. right. That's, that's yeah. good. But I, I wanted, real yeah, yeah, this is real, real talk. Uh, it's good talk. But, but here's the thing: the reason why uh, it's dangerous when you are married and you, you know, you've overly stimulated, as he said, uh, because of lust. Um, the woman, in most cases, <laughs> is not able to uh, handle that type of, uh, of. Uh, trauma in some cases if it's if it's if it's a, a seven days every every time you turn around it's like you want you want to do it that that that, that could be a bit much on the physical well, it's still, aspect it's still of the, the natural recovery time. because think about it see y'all 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 look at i'm, I'm here you get, get I, I started uh y'all don't know what it's like because <laughs> no 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 one's entering entering you and you might be dry you know what i'm saying you i mean you know <laughs> just being honest no, that's real talk. No, nobody, nobody is, you know, and especially the, the people that, and I'm saying this respectfully, that don't know what they're doing. So it's like, you know, wham, bam, thank you, man, if you know what I mean. It's just boom, 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 boom. I mean, you know, like, <laughs> can't no woman get nothing out of that? that nothing is being stimulated. Do you understand what I'm saying? You, you ain't doing nothing. So, we understand, yes. Yes, so, yeah, so, so respectfully, you have to really watch if your mate is feeling frustrated because every time here he come, here he come. He want she she probably feel like you know uh, when when you breastfeed a baby. I've never breastfed, but I, the baby's always you know just wanting you just all the time you know. But you just ate you know five minutes ago, and, they're, <laughs> and, and so they start to feel some kind of way. You know what I'm saying? And so. Oh my God. So, <laughs> this is real talk, and so, and so, and so, so what? What I what I love about my husband, my husband, my husband. I eat at the right time. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Go ahead. So, so what I love about him is there needs to be a balance in your marriage. It shouldn't always be about sex, right. yeah. to be honest with That's you. It. Because to be honest with you, if it is about sex, then there is an imbalance. And so one of the things that, uh, like, there's times that we have scheduled it. Mm -hmm. There are times we spontaneously do it. Mm -hmm. But it ain't going to be like every day. But, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> well, no, just, well I, 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 I offer the right reality here. The reality is if we're really trying to live a godly and fasted life, when we talked about this the other day, when we said what they did in the garden is they flipped the script. They flipped the script from spirituality being the leader, influencing sensuality, mm -hmm. impacting sexuality. Mm -hmm. After sin, the, the flip was script. The, script. the script was flipped. And so now everything's led. Sexuality has the first voice. Yes, that's it. That influences the sensuality. Mm -hmm. So now you have this carnal mind, and they're taking over the spirituality. Mm. And so what, what I had to wrap myself, because I, I had an issue when I was in the world, 
I, so again, y'all know the story. I decided to stop having sex till I got married. And then even when I came into marriage, I knew I can't, I can't function in here looking through the lenses of lust. I can't bring a single life into a covenant world. Mm -hmm. All right, so now what I have to do is because I know how I operated, because I was really working to live a faster life. So now, it's, it, transparently, she was healing through what she had been exposed to. Mm -hmm. So if I was operating like I operated when I was in the world, we're constantly always going to be off on the same page. Mm -hmm. So I knew, okay, I'm going to say this respectfully, all right, y'all? I knew I was ever ready. <laughs> so being ever ready, I didn't need to be focused on it. Mm -hmm. If I'm focused on it, now I'm going to be way over the top. Right. If every day I woke, wake up like I woke up when I was in the world, mm -hmm. now is my life about this covenant, us growing together, learning each other, enjoying just a handshake, a hug, a kiss, a talk, a conversation. Yeah. I miss out on all that because yeah. I'm like, okay, hurry up. Okay, you finished talking? Yeah. Yeah. You finished what you had to say? But right, that's right. the right. Is, the, is the movie over? Oh, we, ain't gonna need, we don't need to finish the movie. I, I was just doing this to get to what I want to get to. But that's the intimacy. That's, right. I'm, I'm glad you said yeah, that. So, 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 so again, so when she talked about balance, that's why it becomes more of a balance because mm -hmm. it's, a, it's in addition to our life. Right. It's not our life. It's not dominating yeah. our life, yeah. Very important. Mm -hmm. All right, uh, last question. When God has revealed that your marriage has been operating out of order, what are some steps to get back in order? All right, so I wrote down some steps here. <laughs> um, uh, first question that I would ask, uh, that I, I would encourage you to ask you is who are the leading voices in your life. Uh, the one thing that I have found as a pastor is that culture influences the way that so many people think. And there's nothing wrong with culture until culture bucks up against kingdom culture. That's it. When earthly culture bucks up against kingdom culture, you've got to decide which one is gonna be Lord and which one you're gonna follow. Nothing wrong with celebrating black culture, but when black culture bucks <laughs> up against kingdom culture, yeah. which one are you going to make lower? Mm -hmm. uh, and so that would be the first question. And then um, uh, the secondly is uh, John 1, 1 says, in the beginning was the word. So everything God does, he always starts with a word. So when you, when you feel like your marriage has been out of order, well, I would go back first of all to uh, the, to the blueprint, to the map that, uh, the, God, the, the prescription that has been established already. What has God said about marriage? God is the creator of marriage. Man didn't come up with this. This was not our idea. This was God's idea from the very beginning. So no one understands the way that it is supposed to tick like he does. What is the role of a husband? What is the role of a wife? What does Genesis tell us? Uh, what are some of the, 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 the secrets that we can pull out of the Genesis story? What does 1 Peter chapter 3 tell us? What does Ephesians chapter 5 tell us? What does Proverbs tell us about a, a wife? Uh, wh what, are, what are some other key verses throughout the Bible on this subject? I would find other books. So oftentimes we spend tens of thousands of dollars developing ourselves mentally when it comes to our profession and nothing when it comes to developing ourselves relationally. 
A lot of times we counsel couples and we'll ask them, like, what are you reading? I haven't read anything because we think relationships are supposed to be intuitive. Like I'm supposed to just naturally understand what I'm supposed to do in a relationship. So I would get uh, other, I would start with the Bible first, but then I would find other Christian books on the subject of marriage and I would become a student in this, in this area. Thirdly, I would detox from culture. And let me tell you why I'm saying this, because ladies, ladies, I'm going to say ladies right now. I'm going to comment on guys in a second. Culture is lying to us about what a real man is and what a real, now it's high value men, high value women. And, uh, and what's happening with, uh, particularly with the rise of feminism is um, ladies are being sold that in order for you to be happy, you need to be like a man. Well, the challenge with that is that it goes up against the divine order that has been established. Mm -hmm. Because what you are saying is that you know better than God does. Mm -hmm. Uh, For example, a fish would make a terrible lion. (laughs) You know why? Because a fish isn't built the way that a lion is. And so if all of a sudden the fish decides, well, I don't want to swim in the sea anymore or in the ocean. I want to roar like a lion. I want to walk upon the land. Well, good luck with that, because the moment that the fish decides that it wants to survive out of water, it's going to die. So what happens is ladies will always come in second trying to be what a man was or what a man is and what a man is supposed to be. See, the curse of Eve. Remember what you remember what God told Eve in the book of Genesis uh, when when Eve's curse was your desire will be towards your husband. Mm -hmm. And and when you look it up and he will rule over you. When you study it in its original text, what it's saying is that your desire is going to be to control him. Mm-hmm. That's the curse of Eve, mm-hmm. to control the man. Wow. So, when, so now what's happened is ladies are being sold that if you want to be happy, you need to move him out of his role and then you need to step Ooh. into it. But the problem is that you weren't designed to be the man, so you will always come in second trying to be something you weren't created to be. And see what God designed, the way God designed it is that men were supposed to learn how to honor women. Now, part of what we have with feminism is, is it is the result of men not honoring women. Mm-hmm. That's really what it stems yeah. from, yeah. It, you know, in essence. Yeah. And so uh, with men, what men are being told now is that uh, you just need to be successful. You need to do things at a very high level and then you can have as many women as you want. And, and sometimes you listen to some of these shows and it's like, man, this is almost... This is almost Mus- the Muslim and Islam faith that's being sold to men nowadays. That you can have as many mm. wives, as many women as you desire. Mm. So I, I, would, I would say that you need to detox from, from culture. Because again, like now, ladies, uh, you can go after the bag. We talk, you talked about being a boss <laughs> chick. Go after the bag. You know, uh, uh, do your job at an extremely high level. And that all sounds good when you're in your 20s. Wait about 25 or 30 years. When you have the Dakar that you want, you live in the house that you want, you vacation wherever you want, but you are by yourself. Mm. And not to say that it's a curse for a woman to be by herself. I'm just saying culture is feeding us lies. And here's the thing. I'm saying this in church because the church is listening. The church is listening. We how many how many times did we watch Jada on the red table talk? And it was like, oh my God, they are Will and Jada. They are they are the couple we want to be. And then we found out the truth of what was going on in their marriage. And it was like, man, I don't know if I want to be like Will and Jada no more. (laughs) So so I I would uh, so again going back through the steps, I I wrote them down so I I didn't get lost here. 
So number one, I would find out what the Bible says about it. Number two, get you some good marriage books. Number three, detox from culture. Number four, who are the leading voices in your life? Make sure that whoever those voices are, they align with what the Bible says mm -hmm. about marriage specifically. Mm -hmm. Amen. Uh, and then number, fifth for, number five for accountability, if you can, I would find me a good marriage small group that have other healthy marriages in it because when you want to change, you need a natural example that you can look at on a regular basis that models behaviors that you need to implement into your marriage That's relationship. good, that was good. Can I add number six, be patient. Sometimes it takes us 10, 20 years to get into a mess and we want God to change it in a year or less. Be patient, be patient with yourself. Mm -hmm. Give yourself partial credit as you start seeing improvement and give your spouse grace and time to change with you as well. Mm -hmm. Amen. That's good. Amen. That's good. Amen. Amen. We're at the end here, so does anybody online? Yes. So I appreciate everyone answering the questions. Phenomenal job. I do have one online that says, how do you pick up the pieces of a marriage that's falling apart? Even when you sometimes feel like it's your fault and now you and that spouse are living apart, is there any way to come back together again? I would say don't pick up the pieces. Mm. <laughs> because the pieces is what caused the mess in the first place. Mm. That's why it broke. And even with that, if you're picking up the pieces, I mean, you're trying to put it back together and you're not really trusting God. Yeah. But you could be putting the wrong stuff back together. Yeah. yeah. How many times, how long did it take you to put a thousand piece puzzle back together? Uh, I, I would offer this too. The Bible says. She said, what was the question? The question was, how do you pick up the pieces of a marriage that's falling apart, even if you sometimes feel like it's your fault? And now you're not living together, you're living in separate <coughs> homes. How can we come back together once again, as one again? And I had yeah. more to say, but I just put one or two. Yeah, I out. just, I, I'll crystallize it by saying this. You know, Matthew 6.33, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, all things will be added. And so, you know, we always talk about the pillars for marriage is kingdom work first. So, of course, kingdom work, your two pillars is, of course, your uh, communion with God and then covenant. When you start to seek God, again, it says all things will be added. You create a vacuum to draw things back in. So, instead of pursuing the pieces, pursue God and allow God to heal, make whole, and as you know, as you pursue him, you'll attract what God wants you to have, and that will be include, including your spouse um, developing another passion and love for you. You know, I've said it a thousand times here, Pastor Mel is not in love with Keith. She's in love with Keith inside of God. Amen. Remove God, yeah. we ain't here at this tough. church. Yeah. That's real tough. Mm -hmm. can, I, can I add to that? I would suggest um, a biblical marriage counselor with yeah. that, um, especially now that there's separation, physical separation. Um, you always need a, a third party when you've gotten to that um, level. So um, adding a biblical, biblical marriage counselor. Mm -hmm. And just pray that God will show you a new picture. You know, God can show you a new picture because you don't want the old. So mm -hmm. give us some new pieces to this new picture mm -hmm. that so we can see what you want, not what we've ex what we created. Amen. Mm -hmm. So what I would say to it, 
is I believe it's Romans chapter 8. There is therefore now no condemnation to them which be in Christ Jesus. So speaking to the shame. So if you've repented, you know, you recognize in reflection, you, you, you understand that there were some things that you maybe not, did not do correctly, repent. And then just walk in the fact that do not, you, there's no condemnation, no shame. Remove the shame. That's what I was. Is that, is that the last? Uh, a few more, just two short ones. Uh -huh. Does your family have to approve of your spouse? That's a good no. question. What uh -huh. was it? If you're already if you're already married to them, absolutely not. But as a single woman, and if my family members are um, Christians and believers filled with the Holy Spirit, I would want their input. That's good. The only thing I would caution too is uh, is when people are, especially especially ladies, because I think it's it's this is different for women. When a woman is asked to abandon her entire family for the sake of pursuing a relationship with a man, mm -hmm. it may not seem like it in the moment, but there is going to come a time after she has children and as time goes on where she's going to want to reconnect with her family. Yeah. And a man that really loves, a, now sometimes people don't understand it because you, you may be in the Lord and, you know, and there may, may be some things that they don't understand, but, but later on, uh, you know, as time goes on, she's going to if that man really loves you, he won't ask you to abandon your mother and your father and everybody else that you mm -hmm. love just to be in a relationship with him. Because yeah. wow. then Amen. it'll be resentment yeah. down the road, mm -hmm. ultimately. That's good. Next, next question. Okay. Uh, one more, I actually have two questions. The, first, the question that was online, they're asking specifically for um, Pastor Nate to answer that question. So what I'll get back the, the, uh, about the marriage crumbling and trying to work out the pieces. <laughs> Why y'all lying? I mean, you, if I was just trying to answer on my own, I got to get, you know, mm -hmm. I get downloaded. Take your time. <laughs> but I, I, for the, with the, if the marriage is falling apart and it's already in pieces, and that opportunity existed to take advantage before it fell into pieces, well, now you're on a recovery, you know, instead of seeking the help out when it was there. But now that you're at a stage where you really need the help, you just got to be, as we say, around heirs and merging ministries. Now you have to be transparent and vulnerable and bring you and drag along all the pieces. Don't try to put them together because if you try to put it together, you're back in the same place because it's all about you. And just come and just, hey, look, I need help. Kind of like she said, you, you're seeking out the biblical counsel. And knowing that in this biblical counsel, it ain't all going to be nice and sweet. It's going to be some cutting edge points, some points that you're just going to have to embrace even though it hurts mm -hmm. but you know it's like you go through a surgery you get in well the word of god says he's sharpening to a sword sharpening a scalpel cutting up stuff so it's going to be some stuff you're already in pieces so might as well just take the cut so it can be put back together Amen. Take, Amen. The take the, the cut that's what i would say <laughs> last but not least 
In a relationship, how do you learn to effectively compromise with your significant other? It's a loaded question because what, what type of compromise are we talking about? Yeah. I, and the reason why I said that because we had, we had, we've had situations where a person interpreted compromise as doing things that was going to take them out of the presence of God. <clears throat> there is compromise. We say, okay, we'll, we'll give and take uh, within our covenant under God. But, you know, you have somebody that was like, well, you know, I just want to compromise. You know, they want to go out, I want to go out. They want to drink, I want to drink. Well, the reality is you may not come back to God from that. Mm. Mm. You see what I'm saying? So, so that's a dangerous thing because uh, Pastor just was talking about uh, playing off of the kingdom and not the world culture. It's a dangerous thing if you're looking at through the lenses of the world and you end up getting pulled out of God's presence, you know, because of how you see compromise. But, but ideally, we've been talking about, uh, somebody mentioned win-win, maybe both of y'all mentioned win-win, um, talked about being in win-win situations. And we talked today about sitting down, talking things through, where we can find some, some level of common ground where we can grow and adjust as we're trying to change to harmonize. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Because we're, it's not always gonna, it's not always gonna line up with our default when we're exposed to the new relationship and, you know, like our, this is not good what I'm about to say, but it did happen. In the early years, my wife was like, well, let's go take a walk. Like, take a walk. I was like, by the time we walked, I could have ran five miles. I could have lift weights, got some shots up. Like, by the time we go on this walk, and then I was like, this ain't all my children. One life to live, <laughs> like, take a walk. Like, but that was, I had brought my, culture in, you know, where, like, I saw that as soft, like, take a, what are you talking about? Like, see, you still trying to make this, like, the, the, the soap operas, this ain't the soap operas, this is real life, you know, like, we, I, I gotta maximize my time. I take, I could take walking out, let's go walk, I don't have a problem, but I, I have to grow into that. So in that particular case, I, I don't even think that's compromise, I think that's evolving. You know what I'm saying? It's like evolving because we can get stuck in our own ways. But I think while we're transitioning, uh, we talked about the whole holiday thing uh, where, you know, I threw the Mother's Day card in because uh, no holiday was important to me. So, but then as I grew, I realized it's not about the holiday. It's about moments that's important to her. And so in that particular case, I love her. She's sharing what's important to her, as you were talking about. Like, I'm already getting the script. Like, like I can get what I want. She's telling me what she wants, and I'm sitting there trying to figure out, I, I don't know how to please you. How about the list of things I just said I desire? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So once I, you know, and, and in my household, God takes care of me. I take care of her. What's important to her is important to me, so what's important to me is important to God. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so, so in that particular case, I, you know, I did... And initially had to co compromise, go through the agony it until it agony. became. Well, <laughs> some things were agony because it wasn't a part of. Aww. It wasn't a part of my. It wasn't a part of me. My what I thought a man was and how I was trained in Newark. Thank you for your sacrifice. Yeah. So in the early years, so I so I'm making adjustments like, okay, we'll do this, but 
we can't post this or not. We ain't post back then. We can't, can't nobody see me doing this. This, this. But she went through the agony, became an appetite, and now I enjoy all of it. You know? I think it's important that they realize you said both words and you're and explaining it when they realize what's a compromise versus what's a sacrifice. Because compromise can lead you away, but sacrifice will draw you closer. That's good. Amen. Good. I love that. Okay, one last question. It's going to be, be pretty quick. It says, what does the word say about becoming a widow or widower? You know, if you remarry, do you have to think on the things that please the other person or just focus on pleasing God? You should do both. Focus on pleasing God and focus on pleasing your new mate. Amen. Mm -hmm. Amen. 